discuss an interesting topic of the 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 chiddush that the Ravalbi says is his in his definition of what kedusha and tahara, sanctity, as we often translate it, or purity and tumamin, impurity. We would naturally intuitively think that the notions of purity and impurity, when rendered into English, would suggest different types of uh, spiritual awareness in a very defined sense. Spirituality is often associated with some type of ritual or religious experience like prayer or meditation or the performance of some type of rite of religion. Whereas Ravalbi, when he describes the two contrary concepts of Tumma and Kedusha, he describes them as states of mind which are globally relevant and really inform us on how to perceive the world around us and it's not really what we would generally describe as a religious sense of being. He describes Kedusha as being highly sensitized to what occurs around you and Tumma as being numbed to the external environment. In other words, Kedusha is when you feel the subtle nuances the example we gave was a person that takes his 10-year-old nephew to listen to a live performance of Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, the concerto, the Emperor concerto. Beautiful, beautiful work. And he's sitting there enjoying every inflection of every tone. And the 10-year-old nephew is saying, why are you wasting my time? This stuff all sounds the same. He doesn't have the sophistication to appreciate what's going on, so for him it's a bland and uninformative experience, whereas to the person who's alive to the idea of music he's involved, so the way it's played and this particular conductor's style in the way that he conducts his orchestra is also different. So there are subtleties upon subtleties upon subtleties. In life, there's the subtleties of life, hearing the music of the life around you. A person who's Toho, he's pure, he can hear it, a person who's Tomei, he's the sounds are muffled and he can't distinguish between them and he can't pick up the subtleties. Which means when a person, for example, in your environment is going through some type of either great joy or small joy or difficulty, you become sensitized to it. Not because you're a nice guy, because you're a Torah. And similarly, if there's some type of um, dysfunction in the morality in the world around you, you pick it up, you, you intuit it. Not only in terms of the global morality, but in terms of the, the Torah values, you become highly attuned to the degree that an example which is given is, um, I believe it's in the Sefer Chovus of Lovis, which describes, uh, is it? I think so. Mm, no, sorry, that's a different description he uses. This could be a Tanit Valiol, if I'm not mistaken, but of course I could be, where Eliyahu is accompanying a sage down the marketplace and they pass, I imagine it was a fishmonger's shop, I don't know if Unhygienics was a particular fishmonger, Pashtas not, because he only appears in Asterix, but there was another fishmonger and as one knows, when you go past a fish shop, dos schmeck dos epis, it's slightly fragrantly challenged. So the person goes past the fish shop and revolting! <laughs> And Ilyanovi doesn't get bothered by the smell. Do all Americans say it that way? All Americans say it that way. I am an American and I say it like Americans say it. <laughs> and comes along, Ilyanovi, they keep on walking, 
and uh, Elionov he walks past two people and he holds his nose saying he can't stand the stench whereas the, the, man, the man he's walking with doesn't smell anything he says what smells so bad? he says those men they do Averas in other words he could pick up the smell of Averas now obviously there's, there's, there's a lot of discussion in regard to what the sense, sense of smell is sense of smell is one of the, the strangest things it's, 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 it's located in the nose um, which was a place where the breath of life was breathed into but perhaps more acutely than any other senses the nose is able to pick up if something is good or bad or li- good or bad or li- alive or dead and smell is always a great indication to the vitality of a given substance all things which are dead smell revolting to the human nose things which are alive have a fragrance which is which is which is very different death gives off a stench the stench of death whereas life is smells pleasant and fragrant I think sorry a live fish don't smell good either you don't smell bad you smell dead fish yeah. life smell live fish smell like live fish dead fish smell revolting death generally carries with it a stench a terrible smell life doesn't and the the way the Mashiach will paskin will be on the sense of smell we use the sense of smell to define something which our eyes can't see and our ears can't hear they can't pick up the subtleties of it but the nose can so often when you're looking in the fridge if you can have that hummus or not you look at the hummus and it looks great you touch the hummus by inserting your index finger and wishing it around and it feels great the texture's marvelous but you don't really know if it's right or bad or good until you actually put it to your nose and smell it so smell is a great indication it's, it's a much more it's a much more subtle way it can f- it can pick up things that the senses of of, of hearing and, and and feeling and the other senses can't get to smell test the kids to the smell test the smell test is, is, is it has a subtlety to pick up which other senses don't have the mashiach is going to paskin according to his sense of smell which means he'll be able to sense sense what's right and wrong more than you'll be able to see it and hear it and the truth is when we have a sense of something we associate it with a sense of smell we say mm, we're not sure something just doesn't smell right meaning when you can't describe the exact problem the sense you revert to describing the fact that you intuit there's something wrong but you can't put your finger on it meaning bring it down to something which could be explained in words you say I smell something fishy here. I smell a rat. Something smells fishy. So he might he'll have an intuition about certain things being right or wrong. The the Mashiach will be able to smell if this object belongs to you or not. In a dinamominus, in in a arbitration of 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 property law, they'll say, mm, no, that object it smells bad by you. It belongs to him. So, but he won't know the halakha. Of course, he'll know that. He'll have that sense of smell based on his superior halakhic knowledge. Huh. He's obviously not going to pick up the object and literally smell it. But it no, means no, that no, no. his degree of perception will be that even when the evidence is rather inconclusive, he'll be able to pick up the subtleties and, on a higher level, intuit it. That's called heightened Kedusha. All I'm trying to do is corroborate the fact that Kedusha and Tumah are not religiostic experiences, religiostic, it's a new word, but they are in fact states of mind of degrees of sensitivity or numbness to the world around you. 
in its truest essence, meaning going down to the very parameters of the reality of Torah and how they manifest in the world. So Kedusha means sensitivity to the world and Tumah means desensitized to the world around you. So an interesting point that, 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 that I realized, not to say that I'm Kodesh with Torah because I'm far from it, but there's something, there's a lot going on in the world, but some small detail just to illustrate the principle. Um, it's what we discussed briefly, but I'd like to discuss a little bit more, is the Israeli light rail saga. Now the Israeli light rail has become a point of, for me, of Kedusha and Tumah, um, being awake to the world. So the Israeli light rail is going through a potential transformation. Until now, there's the established um, social norm on the train is when the train stops at a given station, so all the people within the train fight their way out as the people who are standing outside the tra train fight their way in. Now this creates a, a, a delay in the amount of time it takes for the people to leave and the new passengers to alight because, um, because you know, when, you, when you have people coming in and people coming out simultaneously, so then you get what's called collisions. Collisions and collisions generally delay. So the Israeli um, transport ministry with, uh, in association with the people running the light rails have come up with a huge campaign to make this more efficient. They have introduced the novel notion that it's more effective for the people who are coming into the train to stand by the side while those who are leaving leave. Now this is, this is strange, this is new, this is unheard of. But nevertheless, they've, they've, gone, they've gone out on a limb and they've decided to introduce this concept to Israel. Um, and they've launched a major advertising campaign. They've created a whole series of posters where they've got an interesting, interesting theme to the posters. Instead of having real people photographed, they've got computer-generated, very, very basic images of computer-generated people. Maybe by depersonalizing the idea that you don't feel personally offended that you're one of those who's a enter-while-leaver type person. And they've given out pamphlets. And according to an anecdotal report, there are certain individuals who were offered sweets, candies, when they left the train in the prescribed manner. Um, so, 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 so for me, this is... And they have painted, they have painted arrows on the side of the tracks to indicate where the waiters should stand while the leavers leave. So now, this for me is a fascinating exploration in is it possible to change an entrenched social norm and what factors need to be present in order for that to be effective. So the factors being used now, let's say, are, are publicity. Now the question is, what motivation? What's the motivation? So now there could be theoretically two motivations. You could say that let the people on the train leave because they have got places to go and it's a generally praiseworthy human trait to respect the needs of others. That's not the approach I've taken. The approach that they've taken is you want to get on the train. Quite frankly, you'll get there quicker if they come out first. Because if you jam your way in and they're jamming their way out, so there'll be a scuffle, sometimes or end in, 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 possibly in fisticuffs, but if not, it will be a scuffle and therefore you actually, you're not getting what you want. So just stand to the side and then you'll be able to get there quicker. So they've taken a very selfish approach to introducing... No, listen, before you offer your opinions, let's present the case and then we'll open up the floor for hypotheses and later on in the day we will go study the train 
um, the train the train saga. There's a station just next to us, and we'll be able to sit firsthand. You'll bring your notebooks, field and we'll mm-hmm. we'll go on a field trip we to. Right, we can probably just look out the window and probably No, we so can't because we can't see around corners. But I like the idea. <laughs> Maybe you should become a submarine. <laughs> so. <laughs> Go to my bedroom, you can see. <coughs> oh, so we're in your bedroom. How foolish of us to think we're in the share room. <laughs> <laughs> Spatial location is a very important trait to have, young man. <laughs> but this for me is a fascinating point because here you see this is this is this is where Kedusha and Tuma becomes relevant. Because it could be that you have to sense the environment around you. I'm saying this is one small detail in the environment around us. But it's, it's something which we can focus on and see and from it learn and delve into what's, what's transpiring over here. Will it work? Won't it work? If it works, why is it working? How did it work? Now, you could theorize and say that if it actually becomes an entrenched, new, new entrenched behavior, so then, well, okay, how do you see that people's behaviors can be modified under certain circumstances? What are the relevant factors? And can we extrapolate from this so-called social experiment and introduce it into our daily lives or the running of institutions or the global governing of a population. Fascinating points. That's called Kedusha. Ironically, that's Kedusha. That you're aware to the world and you, you, Kedusha is even more attuned that when you see what happens you're able to measure the, the value in the Torah terms of what's occurred. In other words, let's say it, 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 it's, a, it's a phenomenal success and from now on it becomes total protocol and etiquette that people stand on the side and they let those leave, leave and those enter, enter. Um, is that a... Is that a miler? Is that something which is praiseworthy? Or is that... No, that's a lacking because it just describes a heightened sense of selfishness. Praiseworthy. Okay, well, for me these things are things that need to be explored and thought about it. For others, they're absolutely simple and upon three seconds worth of thought, you have the conclusion. Blessed are you that your mind works so quickly and so well, he said, sarcastically. <laughs> okay, so that's, that's just an exploration in terms of a practical example of what condition time means. But it's, it's global. When a person walks through a shopping center, so there's an experience of either Kedusha or Tyre that he can be sensed that he can be go through the shopping center in a Kedusha state of mind or in a Tumor state of mind. When he goes through a Tumor state of mind, he doesn't see what's around him. He's totally sealed off. But then there's an ironic twist as well. Perhaps sometimes the person needs to shut himself off from certain environments because of Kedusha. Sometimes he needs to open himself up. So you see that the world becomes the essentially what Kedusha and Tumor are the interface between us and the world. And they're really completely different ways of living. And the person who lives in the world of Kedusha, he lives in a different world. He lives in a different world. The world speaks to him in a completely, completely different way. It's always telling him things. He's always receiving messages. I'm not me speaking in terms of prophecy, but in terms of understandings. Every situation gives new information. If you look at it and you think about it, really, we somehow become retarded as we age. Because if you try to go back to when you were a child from the ages of zero to two, and you see how quickly and how bent you were about learning new things from every new experience that the rate of development by which you assimilate, experiment and integrate new information is phenomenal. A, a, a small baby is a, the, the, the most magnificent example of what a scientist should be like. Babies are constantly experiencing and learning from the experiences and moving on. And that's how they learn to 
the, the, the complex nuances of language. Language, you know how complex language is? Do you know how many factors that involves rhythm? And when you speak to a child, how does it know when you say, Oh, good, you could wait, Gigi baby? How does it know that those are four words and not one word? Maybe that's one long word. How does it know it and differentiate? And a child of, 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 of a year and a half can follow instructions, even though they, they, they can't speak yet. But you can say to them, Go give this to mommy, she's in the bedroom. And the child will understand. Those are all abstract concepts to a child's mind. Mommy, bedroom, this. And yet, a child, a one and a half. Do you know how advanced that is? It's astonishing beyond belief. So what happens? One, two, three, four, five, six, we learn in grade. Seven, eight, nine, ten, things are starting to slow down. Eleven, twelve, getting even slower. Fourteen, kind of, hey man, it's, I'm cool, I know everything. Well, I learn more. And then, until a person gets to the age of 25 and they're going to a state of mental stagnation, that's called tumor. The life force starts to subside, the vitality of ever-learning, ever-changing, ever-evolving starts to retard. It starts to go slow and slow and slow until it grinds to a halt at 40 when a person sets themselves into their ways and never shall I change. Such a, such a premature death would I say. Tuma and Kedusha. People are Kadosh. Remember Rav Loich, the one saying about Rav Albi, that he could still see him how he is changing, always evolving in his 80s. In his 80s. Maybe the pace of the rate of change wasn't as quick, but there's always change. A person should be in a constant state of metamorphosis. That's, that's Kedusha, because you're always interacting with the world, and the world always telling you more things, as opposed to when you're Tomé, so then... Oh, I've heard that before. Oh, yes, that. And everything is the same old, same old, same old. Oh, how tragic. Oh, how boring. Oh, what a waste of a life. So that's what Kedushan to me is. Fascinating. Continues revolving, he says. Let's go one step further and explore what the person is. Magu Adam Atzmoy. Mize Adam. Ma, ma, ma. Who is a man? Who is man? Says Ravalbi that it's clear that we are this um, strange combination of body and spirit. Gufura. And this combination, which is, which is, you know, if you think about it, and you try to think about how there can be such a fusion, it becomes quite mind-boggling. How can you actually take something spiritual and, 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 and limit it to a finite physical form? How can it be? How can you actually capture the shama, the soul inside the body? It's, 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 it's ludicrous, actually, when you think about it, because it doesn't lend itself to physical containment. What? To the soul in the body. Because the definition of something spiritual is it's something non-physical? It's non-physical. It can't be limited by space or time. So you take this... In fact, that's what, if I'm not mistaken, the Ramah says is the bracha of mafli la'asois. Mafli la'asois means that there's a, a miraculous combination which really shouldn't be able to exist. Because how can you take something infinite and, 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 and shove it into finite form? Is, 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 is anything spiritual inherently infinite? I thought, I thought even that is, is limited in some, in, in some sense. It's just not limited by physical forces. Like even even the concept of time and space, there is a spiritual equivalent that is that is more elevated than true. Yeah. True, the, the spiritual things have delineations. Let's say in, 
it's complex because it depends the, the, the way it's described in, in, in some of the works is that there's a descending spiritual order and at the highest level all spirituality lacks any kind of form yet as it condenses and descends until it becomes so concretized that it takes on physical form it becomes more limited in its parameters. Is, it, is that the Merkaba? No, that's the Olam Isabiya. That's it is Bria Yitzira Asiya. But that's way beyond the scope of our So, so why is it why is it such an inherent at this stage oh, in time? Go on. So why is it such an inherent contradiction that something physical exists? The, 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 way, the way the way Rav Desla says it is that that's the miracle of creation. We look upon the miracle of creation as ex nihilo, which is a Latin word that no one knows, but you sound clever when you say it. It means something from nothing. Yesh me'ayin. This creation is yesh, you've created something from nothing. Rav, Rav Desla says differently. He says if you think about it really, the ultimate yesh, the ultimate is, the thing that is, the ultimate reality is Akash Baruch And therefore, his light should be absolutely blinding and uh, spread out overwhelmingly throughout the universe. And the, the ultimate miracle of the creation of the world is that that light could be hidden. So he really rephrases it and says that the creation is not yesh mi ayin, but ayin mi yesh. We've created nothing from something. So th- th- that's all the same topic, meaning the body and the soul, the physical world with God in it, is how is it possible to cover over that, you know, those contained within a finite thing, an infinite entity? Okay. I, so I understand that, why that's such a contradiction, but anything that's spiritual, that's not completely infinite, which would just be Hashem, why, why is it such, such, a, such like a chiddish that's like, oh, that these two things can coexist when this has already been limited from that infinite? Anything past that initial limiting is just like, well, if you're... If you can no, the, 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 qu- the question is on the limitation from its very beginnings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So shall we say. But before we get too carried away with too much complexity okay. and obstra- abstraction, which I think is, is making... Are we going to discuss the rail system situation? We are going to experiment the rail system situation later on. At this point in time, we just... We just again, and it's also, what's also interesting about the rail system is, is, what, is, what, is what is the notion of rail travel and... The idea, no, I'm serious, it's actually quite interesting because it's, it's, it's not like it's not a random social experience, it's in a particular context. And the context is, is a context where there's the, what, is, what is the social interaction between people who are traveling upon a way. So it's almost you, you, you are contained in a space, the space is a moving space, and it's going towards a particular destination. So your association with the people within this compartmentalized space is a random association. As opposed to people who turn up at, let's say, a meeting where they all subscribe to a similar idea. Over here, the point of the spatial connection is purely utilitarian. It's not the same as being in a meeting where you subscribe to an ideal. Meeting, it was like this. For example, you know, there are Stieblach. We have to see if we can apply this to Stieblach. Stieblach is the Yiddish plural of the word Stub, which means house. Small Stub is a Stiebel, plural Stieblach. And it's a general reference to a place which has many different davening houses, houses of prayer, a minion factory, as it's colloquially called. What happens is you've got the Stieblach. Now the Stieblach at the busy hours, around about, you know, one to three, 
in Mesharim and in Beis Israel, so they become inundated with people. So in order for the new people to come in, the old people have to leave. And uh, until now, the Shidduch has very much gone with a light rail equivalent. That as the new people come out, the old people try to push, push their way in. So there lands up to be a collision at the doorway. Now, uh, let's see if, if the, rail the light rail work experiment works, maybe we could introduce it to the Stivlach. Make it a glo Yes, Kruger. No, you, I don't want to cut you off with you. I could go on forever. Cut me off while you can. Uh, I think, uh, <laughs> I think this, the light rail system is, I mean, the way they get on, it's like game theory, because everyone knows... Everyone Give knows a brief introduction to game theory, please. Some of us are so not theory, in the know. So game theory is a, a way then that where people have to, where, because basic, uh, like, economics says that people always act rationally, but that's not necessarily true. But game theory says that when a decision doesn't seem rational, doesn't seem rational that everyone should try to push on about, push on to the train at the same time, when there would be bad, more utility if everyone just waited. But the thing is that everyone has to, if, if you just wait by yourself, you can't control what other people are going to do. Right. So you can either, you have two options, you can either push or wait. Right. And if I just go there and I'll just wait, then everyone's going to get on the train before me. So it is actually rational to push, unless you can know what everyone else is going to do. So unless you can get everyone to not push, it's, I mean, there's a famous example of called the... I mean, Tragedy of the Commons. Prisoner's Dilemma. Oh. So it's like two people are locked, two people are locked in a... Two people get arrested for a crime and they put in separate prison cells. And they say, they say to you, you they say, they're trying to get you to confess that you did the crime. And if you confess, that you did the crime, um, then you doesn't matter what happens. But if you can con confess, you're going to get you'll go to jail for one year. But if you don't confess, and the other guy says you did it, you're going to go to jail for life. So basically, even though if you both don't confess, you're going to go free. But you, that which would be the best choice to do. It just makes sense not to confess because then you can go for free. But the thing is that you don't know what he's going to do, so you have to confess even though you didn't do it, and you're because you know you're only going to go to jail for a year as opposed to being stuck there for the whole year, your whole life. So I think people know they should wait, but they don't want, like, like when you, like if, if I go on the bus, I don't want to push people to get on the bus, but if someone tries to push in front of me, you've got to stop them going in front of you. Because if you just sit there waiting and say, so no, I mean, more than, more than, the, let's go more than the train, going on a bus is easier because generally the entrance is different to the exit. So the people who come in on the bus, mm -hmm. you, there's not people going out generally. Different, 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 different problem. I, I think this is more comparable to the famous economic precedent, which is known as the tragedy of the commons. Do you know about the tragedy of the commons? In England, uh, I don't know how long ago, three, four hundred years ago, they had common ground, where all farmers could kind of come and graze their, graze their cattle. But the 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 extent of how long the pastures would last would be based on they couldn't overgraze it. So if everyone used it moderately, so then the commons would last forever. If people abused their right, so then the commons would be depleted and then no one would be able to get anything. So therefore, for the greater good, it makes sense that I only graze five cattle at a time. But for my own personal immediate gain, if I take 20 cattle, I'll have a much greater personal gain immediately. So the tragedy of the commons was that the commons were always outstripped. Because people didn't look for the greater good, even of themselves in the long term, but the immediate good for themselves, which is completely irrational in the short term. So I think this is much more comparable to the, the tragedy of the commons, because the truth is, it would be better for everyone 
if the people waited while the, while some people left and other people would enter. But the truth is, for me personally, if everyone if once one person starts to push, yeah. then everyone has to start to push, and then it negatively impacts everyone. Because if everyone's waiting for them to come out, and I push in, so I'll get there much quicker than everyone else. Mm. So, so do you understand that when you start to flesh out this point, how a seemingly irrelevant detail in your in your commuting life can become a sugya which can be highly informing and enlightening. That's called kedusha. Right. Andrea, I want you to say something. But I've noticed how like. You, I do see how they do start the whole pushing thing, and then when people <coughs> realize it doesn't work, then they wait, and then they let the inside people come oh, So that, 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 that's an interesting kind of corollary, which Americans say is corollary, and that is... Corollary. Corollary. So, no, no, corollary. Oh, South Africans say, and English people, uh, the way it's meant to be is corollary, uh. and Americans say it's a corollary, like Larry, and there's a, cor- a corollary. Corollary. <coughs> so... Um, Corollary, yeah. um, that's, 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 that's being awake, that's being awake, it's being awake to, 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 to you, when you, be awake to life, Pikitsu, be awake to life, Alex. I mean, the paint, the fact that they put paint on the ground, though, would, I would think it, like, represents, like, the tumor, because it shows people's inability to perceive that, uh, you know, to be... In other words, let's 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 take a step back and say, why does this need to be instituted? Surely, if people have an inborn respect of others, it should be second nature that you should relate to this in this way. So, so the fact that this has to be imposed, surely that's indicating a sense of where are we that this needs to be actually spelt out and made explicit? Is that where we've got to? Is that where we've got to? Or perhaps not. Or perhaps not. Perhaps it's like part of the. Mid-Eastern culture that things just are haphazard. But then one asks, is that the Mid-Eastern culture? Why is it? And then the question's gone and the suga develops and we are alive and growing. And the next time you enter into a change, it will be an entire different experience. It will be an experience of learning and, and it will move you forward as a person, not only in terms of geographically from this station to the next. Now we have another approach, approach from Mr. Stain over here, who's got a slightly more autocratic approach. <laughs> the problem over here is there's no one telling people what to do. Yeah, if only there'd be people uh, telling them what uh, to do. Well, this and is what they're, they're being told to stand I, I, there. Wait, this is better than what it was. So over here we see a new mahalach in Get someone to tell you what to do. So the role been of been discipline. Rabbi, I've been in eight international cities where Jerusalem's the eighth one with the eight rail cities and the eighth rail and Jerusalem's the only one where they have this issue. Everyone else in the world they wait because they know Great question. Why, why, is why is that so? Why is that so? Not New York. The beginning. How many of them are New York? Boston, Boston, Boston we wait. People wait. Thank yes, you, Jackson. Wait for the contributions. Uh, so you know, like a, like you should have set up the precedent.